In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Nothing could be less sentimental than this Sunday. Christmas is a mere three weeks away, as this year the season of Advent is especially short, with Christmas falling on a Monday. We have been told for generations that frantic shopping is virtually a national duty, for the practitioners of the dismal science assure us that the more money we spend, the wealthier we will all be. The stores have been echoing with holiday songs for several weeks already. And yet within the walls of our beautiful church, we do not hear any music at all, beside the chants of the Mass. Christmas decorations are not to be seen. Instead, flowers and relics of the saints are gone, and the altar is clad in the violet of penance. It is here that our great story begins. The story of the ages, told in one form or another by all men in all times and places, all of whom clung as best they could to the clouded memory of that promise uttered so long ago to the father of our fallen race, the promise of a redeemer. And like a master storyteller, the liturgy of the church begins the tale at the end. The name of the season, as you all know, upon which we have entered is Advent, which means coming. It it refers, in fact, not to one coming, but to three comings of Christ. We begin today in the liturgy of the Mass by considering this final coming, the coming of Christ at the end of the world. Today we take up the dread theme that occupied our thoughts only last Sunday, the coming of Christ not as a sweet babe 2,000 years ago, nor by grace throughout these long centuries, but in glory as the judge of the entire world. At his first coming, he offered mankind a gentle hand of friendship. And ever since his ascension into heaven, he has never ceased to come to our souls by grace, seeking to draw them to his most sacred heart. At this last coming, there will be no conversation. All angels, all devils, all men, good and evil, living and dead, will fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah, which St. Paul tells us is fulfilled in Christ. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bend in heaven, on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Our Lord first comes as a lamb, the second time as a loving friend, the third time as a lion. He came first in the crib. He comes now in the soul, and at the last in the judgment seat. At his first coming, he was judged by men unjustly. At his second, he comes to make us just. At his third, 
he comes to judge the whole world with justice. And the first Sunday of Advent is concerned entirely with this final coming of Christ. It prompts the question which we will be reminded of at the very end of this season in the liturgy. When the Son of Man comes, do you think he will find faith upon the earth? St. Matthew told us last Sunday that all the tribes of the earth shall mourn. And St. Luke tells us today that men will wither away for fear and expectation of what shall come upon the world. All that we know and love in this world shall be destroyed. And if we have nothing better to look forward to, this day will not be a happy one. For what did our Lord find at his first coming? The day after Christmas, we change to red right away in order to celebrate the feast of the first martyr, the first man to be stoned for proclaiming the gospel. The day after that, we return to white to celebrate the feast of St. John, the one apostle of the Twelve who did not abandon our Lord at Calvary. The day after, we recall that our Lord's birth was greeted by fear and vicious hatred. The great religious authorities of Jerusalem, who knew the prophecies by heart, did not think it worth their time to follow the Magi to Bethlehem to see the newborn king of the Jews. And as good St. Joseph took our Savior to Egypt, an entire country of innocence was murdered in his place. And what did our Lord find at his second coming? He was born into the souls of men by grace, and this was the birth of the church and her rebirth in every generation. And this coming has been greeted by centuries of persecution, and in our time, by the even more terrible persecution of indifference. Why should the third coming of our Lord then be any different? We will not see the, the fulfillment of the words he spoke to Nicodemus. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than the light, for their works were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light and cometh not to the light, that his works may not be reproved. My dear children, in the novena we keep this year, we find a remedy for our cold indifference. Are you not yet moved by what our good God has done for you? This sweet babe to be born in three short weeks, this innocent lamb already prepared for the slaughter, are you not yet brought to tears by the price he has paid for your redemption? Behold, then, his mother. Behold, thy mother. We all should have a very special devotion toward the, the seven sorrows of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Our Blessed Lady has been given grace beyond that of all the saints, for she has been preserved from all sin from the very moment of her conception 
to the end of her life on earth. The title of Sorrowful Mother, however, is one which she has truly merited. Our Lord's sufferings were of infinite merit, and his sufferings alone have won our redemption. But the divine plan of salvation willed that our Blessed Mother should have sufferings all her own, sufferings which would show her for the great creature of love that she is. And she is the great mother of all who suffer, for by her suffering the thoughts of many have indeed been revealed. Mary's sorrows have shown the great love and incomparable worth of all souls who suffer. Only suffering allows us a glimpse at the beautiful and unfathomable depths of a soul which God has created. The venerable Pius XII, speaking to his flock amidst the horrors of world war, made his own the words of the poet, Man is an apprentice, pain is his master. Nothing can be known except so far as man has suffered. Suffering preserves us from a thousand sins, but it can also be said in a way that sin preserves us from suffering, at least briefly in this life. That is to say, sin deprives us of the ability to suffer as we should. True suffering is for those who love, and sin extinguishes love in the soul. That is how we know that sinless Mary, with her boundless love, suffered more than any creature has ever suffered. This morning, then, let us join our sorrowful mother on the way of the cross and see if there be any suffering like the suffering we find there. We began this novena a few days ago by considering the first sorrow of Mary when she hears the prophecy of Simeon. We shall have to wait until the close of the Christmas season to hear those words again. That will occur on February 2nd, the feast of the presentation of our Lord. In the Eastern Church, this thought is at the forefront, for that ancient and venerable feast goes by the mysterious name of Ipopanti, the encounter. This encounter, as we all know, closes with the words that began our meditation Thy soul, too, a sword shall pierce. Who in the universe could have felt more alone than Our Lady at the moment of the piercing? Even Our Lord, after all the sufferings of his most bitter passion, was now dead. The new Adam was now asleep on the cross, ready to bring forth his bride, the Church, from his sacred side. And come forth she did, but the pangs of that holy birth were reserved for the mother of the church, who alone could feel the anguish of the lance passing through her only son. Simeon's prophecy was fulfilled, that prophecy which years before had ushered in the sorrows of Our Lady. The new Eve was now the mother of all the living, all those who live in Christ 
and it is in sorrow that she has brought forth her children. But we must not suppose that our Blessed Mother's suffering was delayed until this final moment on Calvary. Simeon's prophecy saw its fulfillment in every moment of Christ's passion. The sorrowful encounter of 33 years earlier was renewed in the encounter we contemplate today, the meeting of Jesus and his mother. Forty days after his nativity, Mary brought her divine son to the temple of the Old Testament to offer him to God. Thirty-three years later, and forty days after Christ's transfiguration before his chosen disciples, Mary again encounters her son, him who is the temple of the new and eternal testament. One last embrace, one last touch of her mother's hand to his adorable face, one last glance through weeping eyes, and off he goes to ascend the hill of the skull to pay the debt of sinful Adam. To what shall I compare thee, O daughter of Jerusalem? Great as the sea is thy sorrow. My dear children, while time remains, that all-important, most precious gift of time, may our sorrowful mother obtain for us the grace to melt our hearts of stone. Let us pray that we shall not be among those cowards who greet our Lord with a whimper. Our salvation is at hand. Let us rise from sleep, stop clinging to our favorite sins, and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us receive the sacraments with great fervor during this holy season of Advent, and above all during this week's novena, as we prepare for the immaculate arrival of her who first greeted the Savior in her womb. May we stand by her faithfully at the crib and at Calvary, And may she intercede for us at the hour of our death. Amen.